Our New Testament lesson is from Matthew's Gospel. If you would turn with me in your pew Bible to that passage, Matthew 25, beginning with the first verse. It's the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Listen now for the word of God. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, can you give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out? But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever run out of gas? I have. I had this car one time that the gas gauge wouldn't work, and of course I wouldn't get it fixed. I figured I could figure out how to do it, and I put a couple gallons of gas in the car so I would never run out. But of course I did several times. And now with newer cars, it's kind of intriguing because they have this little gizmo that says you've got 27 miles to get to empty. And so the challenge is to see how close I can get to empty before I have to take the gas. I've gotten down to six miles, but I don't want to get much closer than that. There's something about procrastination. It's kind of fun. It's kind of stressful. It kind of causes a wave of craziness to come over you. For life is much easier when you do the normal kinds of practices in life, so the stress is not there as much. But there's also consequences to procrastination. If you don't change your oil in your car, something's going to happen, as it did to me. I thought that when the oil light came on, I'd just add another quart of oil, which I did several times. In fact, one time too many, and the engine kind of gave up. But there are consequences if you don't prepare a will, or have an annual physical, or exercise regularly, or complete your advanced directives, or pay your mortgage on time, or pay your light bill. Your health will deteriorate, your body will go to seed, your family will be confused when something happens to you and they're not sure what your wishes were, your estate will go to the state, and on and on and on. The consequences of our decisions and our procrastination are consequences that have an incredible impact on who we are and whose we are. And all of these things, whether it's procrastination or whether it's the consequences of procrastination, are spiritual issues. Because we say we believe that God is Lord of my life, all of my life, which means my time, my resources, my decisions, everything about me. And so for me not to decide or to procrastinate 
And the consequences of that procrastination is a denial of the spiritual truth that God is Lord of my life. We simply cannot use the excuse, oh, that's the way he is, or that's the way she is. It is incredibly irresponsible and denies the very spiritual truths that we think are truthful. In our parable today, procrastination and the consequences of procrastination are front and center. It's the parable of the ten bridesmaids, or it's also called the ten virgins. It's only found in the Gospel of Matthew. And the focus on the parable is about what happens when Jesus comes back. What happens at the end of time? And the issue of whether you're prepared for his coming or not. I think that's what the focus is, but I think the focus also could be today. When you meet Jesus today through a neighbor or through a stranger, are you prepared to deal with Jesus and to be Jesus to someone else? So it's not just something off in the distance that we can just think about and not worry about. I think it affects us even now today. The context is in a wedding, and weddings in Palestine are quite different than weddings here in Virginia. They had quite a bit of ritual and traditions that they followed, and at every wedding there were 10 virgins, 10 young women, whose duty was to escort the groom to pick up the bride and then to escort the wedding party to where the wedding was to occur. They went through these narrow streets in Palestine, And this past week, we learned about the narrow streets, no streetlights, of course, and the several people from this congregation have just been to the Holy Land, and they showed us some pictures of those narrow streets, so narrow I wondered if two people could get by them at all. But it was important that there be light for the wedding party to get to the wedding. So the bridesmaids had a very important function. They literally lit the way for the bridegroom and the bride to go to the wedding venue. Now, their lamps were not like lamps that we think about. They were probably a stick with a rag on the end of it that was soaked in oil, and that was what caused like a torch to go down through these narrow streets. It lit the travel path. As you know from the story, five were wise and five were foolish. The wise women had not procrastinated They had thought ahead. They had planned ahead. They brought extra flask of oil so that their light would not go out. The five foolish women took for granted that they could beg, borrow, or steal from somebody, and they were shocked. The bridegroom arrives about midnight. The five bridesmaids with oil in their lamps are ready to go. They take off to to pick up the bride and then to the wedding party. When the five that were going out to find oil come back, the door was shut and they no longer were allowed in. In fact, the person said, we don't even know you. Five were in, five out. Five partied, five didn't party. Five went to a wedding and five did not. It seems to me there's some incredible learnings for us from this parable. For in this part of Matthew's gospel, he's talking, as I said, about the end of time and how is it we are prepared to meet Jesus. My contention is we need to be prepared to meet Jesus even today, right after this worship service. Whenever you deal with various people, you need to be ready to see who the Jesus is in your life. So how do you get ready? What do you do? Seems to me there's several important truths that are found here. 
First of all, the five wise women thought that the bridegroom and the bridal party was so important that they prepared themselves and had the oil for their lamps. There was a great deal of respect for the tradition of the wedding, and so they planned ahead. They put in the time, effort, and energy to be prepared. It was a priority in their lives, and they made sure they had enough oil to make sure that they got through the wedding. The foolish women was not a priority. The wise women were committed to this. In our day and time, I wonder what our priorities are. I wonder how people decide what their priority is, even if they make that decision. Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your relationship with other people that you're not going to allow not to be ready for, that you're always prepared for? Is it acquiring enough financial resources? Or is it making the right contacts personally and politically? Is it always trying to figure out how to outdo the competition? What is your priority in your life? I wonder where people set priorities in our day and time anymore. Do we ever take time to define what's really important to us? Or do we go just from day to day? Are we so scattered that we just kind of live from one moment to the next? And as long as our health is somewhat decent and our cash flow is okay, what does it matter? As Christians, we verbally declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. We verbally say that he is Lord of my life, which means all of my life, not just Sunday morning, 11 o'clock life, but everything I do, decisions I make, resources I have, how I do and live my life. He has our back. He stands with us through thick and thin. If that's not enough of a priority, I don't know what is more of a priority. That Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. But we all have to decide, what is our priority? Secondly, then how does one prepare? The wise women came with extra oil. The foolish women didn't even bring oil with them. The wise women thought it was important enough that they would have enough resources because they didn't know how long they'd have to wait. They weren't sure how long it would take. Even the wise and foolish women were waiting so long they fell asleep. And then the bridegroom comes. But when the sound came, the wise women were on duty and ready to go, lit their lamps and sprang into action. How do you prepare for Christ? What do you do in your life so that you're prepared for this person we call Jesus? One of the many ways I think we prepare for that is through regular weekly worship with one another in a sanctuary and a fellowship of believers. But today, worship is very optional for a lot of people. If I don't have any other obligations, if I don't have anything else bothering me, then okay, I'll go to church on Sunday morning. If people worship two Sundays a month, they're considered regular worshipers in our day and time. As a kid, we had no excuse not to go to worship and Sunday school. You almost had to be on your deathbed because mom and daddy wouldn't let us say no. I think First Church Richmond is typical. I see in this congregation almost every week a different congregation. And I haven't been here that long. But with a congregation of over 1,200 members, our worship attendance is pitiful. 
in terms of people coming to worship. And this worship service is a magnificent worship service. I mean, I can show you some worship services. I've been around some of them that you wouldn't want to go to. But with great music, great liturgy, with a warm sense in this congregation, this is a critical part of who we are as we come together to support one another and to fill our flask with our oil so that we can go out week after week. When a new pastor comes, it is going to be crucial that you're here as the body of Christ to worship with one another, not because who's standing here, but because you believe in Jesus Christ and because Jesus Christ is your priority. And part of that filling our oil flask is the nurturing and supporting of each other, of greeting each other on a Sunday morning and glad to see you helps to nurture and support us spiritually. Participating in study groups is a way to get to know Jesus Christ in a deeper way. Serving with us in Caritas in a week or so is another way to be blessed with people who have far less than we have. It is all of us which fills our flask of oil so that our light will shine and so that we have purpose and meaning to life instead of just coming to a worship service and going home. We have to be committed and supportive and unified. Barbara Lundblad tells a story about a friend of hers who's friends of hers who's, who lost a son at an early young age from cancer. They were overwhelmed with grief. But they said, we went to church, but we couldn't sing. But they kept going to church week after week after week. We let others sing for us, and we listened until we could begin to sing again. It was that crowd of great cloud of witnesses surrounding this family that carried them when they couldn't carry themselves. That's what church is about, to help us keep our light burning so that we are a witness for the sake of Jesus Christ. You have to have a priority in life, and I trust Jesus Christ is your priority. You've got to make a commitment to prepare to keep your light shining. But finally comes the question, What oil do you need? What oil do you need for your light to shine so that you can be a servant of Jesus Christ? What what is missing in your life? What's not there that you need? Some people would say it's love. Experiencing love and loving other people, realizing it's not about me, but it really is about giving of my life. Realizing it's not about holding on to everything I want but sharing that with others so that we know what agape love really is. Some say it's faith that they need. That is trusting in God, realizing that the promises of God are real. The promises are not just words on a page, but they are real and God stands behind them. Others say it's our works, that I need to get off my duff and I need to get to doing things in the name of Christ. I need need to practice what I preach. I need to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. I need to make a difference for somebody else for the sake of Christ. All of us need some kind of oil and all of us are different. But all of us have to figure out what it is that we need that fills our lives so that we can be the light to the world. For Christ says, you are the light of the world. Do not hide your light under a bushel. 
I think this parable is about you and me, about our priorities, about what kind of preparation we make to meet Jesus Christ, whether it's today or whether it's at the end of our life. I think that we meet Christ a lot of times and we're not ready to meet Christ. Being prepared to meet Christ in our neighbor, in our fellow worker, in a family member, in that beggar at the corner of Patterson and Libby, meeting Christ in my arch enemy. The question, are you prepared? Are you ready? Would you know Christ when you see Christ? Or are you sleeping? Wake up. Let us pray. Eternal God, it's easy sometimes just to go along, to get along. And yet you call us to be more energized and regular and committed to doing your work. Help us, God, to prepare. Help us to take the time, effort, and energy to to see that our faith in Christ really is important and significant for our lives. And allow us then to be that light that shines to the rest of the world. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.